Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Paradox, Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. I am Dr. Daniela Point, and my co-host is Dr. Dustin Smith. And today, we are here with Daryl Nance. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. We are excited to have you on here today. Um, before I pass it over to Dustin, I do want to say thank you to our sponsor, Ticket Spigot, who is the NIAAA official ticketing partner. So they make this episode and every episode here of Fair Knocks possible. So thank you to them. And Dustin, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm fantastic. It's another great day in the wood, a great day to be alive. And um, <laughs> I am way pumped because um, this guy I, I've had the utmost respect for. I've, I, he didn't know me. It's much like, um, and we'll talk about some of his exploits in the coaching world, but I went to a national convention and he presented and he didn't know I was in the room, uh, but I go in the room and I'm, I'm just in awe of, of who Daryl Nance is because Daryl is that guy in the NIAAA world. Uh, but I listened to his presentation and I had a lot of respect. It was, it was how he dealt with um, parents and what he dealt with parents from a basketball coach's perspective and kind of how he ran his program. And I sat back and I thought, man, I spent a lot of time at the collegiate level as an AD and this guy's got it. He's he's got it figured out. And so fast forward to now, um, Daryl and I become we become friends. He's been a mentor to me. We co-teach um, LTI seven nineteen uh, for the NIAAA. But I've gotten a couple of calls from Daryl that just kind of stopped me in my tracks. One was I got to be in the NIAAAU cohort. Uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you see Daryl's got a shirt that says the NIAAAU and his baby is this uh, leadership cohort. He's developed it. He's fostered it. He's helped grow this thing. Um, and there's a lot of people around the country that have been part of this NIAAAU cohort that Daryl has impacted personally. So I got that call from him. And then he called me one day and said, hey, I want to talk to you. And he talked to me about being an LTI member, a faculty member, national faculty member with him was 719. And at first, I'm like, hey, you you sure you got the right guy? Because I think you might be calling some other Dustin Smith that uh, I got to teach with him and I teach alongside of him. Uh, but but what I've gotten to really enjoy is I get to know his heart. We're state coordinators together, so we get to spend some time every September in, in Indianapolis. And I got to hear some stories then. But Daryl is uh, a a giant in the AD world. And I don't say that lightly. He really is. There's a lot of people that really admire and respect what he's done and it's <clears throat> over a lifetime of of service and I think Daryl will tell you that it's about service and serving those that are in our profession and trying to give back so I am pumped to have uh, I'm able to call Daryl a lot of things a mentor a friend a co-teacher uh, the leadership cohort just guru uh, he's just a lot of things to a lot of people so Daryl man I'm pumped to have you here I look forward to having some conversation with you. So as we start this and we give our listeners a chance that may not know who Daryl Nance is, it, they must live under a rock or they're not around <laughs> just any kind of our profession. But let's talk about what's the resume not going to tell me about who Daryl Nance is. We can go through accolades of board representation and all the awards you've gotten throughout the years. But what makes Daryl Nance Daryl Nance aside from Daryl Nance the AD? Uh, well, thank you, Dustin, for that introduction. That's the, the, the 
appreciation is mutual. Uh, you, you've been a great friend and, and, and a great leader that I've gotten to know as well. So I, I think what, uh, what, what would the resume say um, is that uh, I, I don't, I mean, I'm really very shy. I'd, I'd, I really like to have my alone time. Um, I, um, I don't know. I, it's, it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a, it's hard to say I, I love to cook, right? I, I, I'm, I would not say I'm a chef, but I can say <laughs> that if you ask me to cook something and you tell me, you know, Hey, fix this thing, I can, I can do it. I probably won't eat it because I'm a very picky eater, but I can cook <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, I, I am the resident chef at home. I'm the resident chef for all of our family get togethers and all that stuff. Uh, I love to do woodworking. Uh, I like to, you know, make things out of wood. And, you know, the good thing about wood is if it messes up, you can hit it really hard with a hammer. You really can't do that to people, you know, that tends to get you in trouble. <laughs> well, you Hammers, could. But... Yeah, well, you could. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Wouldn't be around long. So, you know, I really like, uh, I, I like, I like doing some things like that. Um, you know, I, one of the questions that I tend to ask people sometimes is what's your guilty pleasure? Like when an interview, I'll say, what's your guilty pleasure? Because I try to, you know, I want to ask things that get people off their standard protocol answers. You know, they're, they're, you know, everything's so formal in an interview. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, the Joe Ehrman had, what's your hero, your highlight, your heartache, I think was one of the things that he would ask in his. And so I said, what's, what's your pet peeve? Like, what, what's a pet peeve for you? Uh, what's, what, and, and, and what's, you know, what is, what, what's your guilty pleasure? I like things like that. Well, so like one of my guilty pleasures is, is watching Alaska TV shows. I've never been to Alaska. I like to travel. <laughs> I want to go to Alaska. Well, everybody that I've met from Alaska says, you realize that's all just made up for TV stuff, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I still watch it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there's certain things that just kind of get you out of, out of the competition phase that we're in so much, you know, whether it's our games, you know, whether you're coaching and still coaching or whether you're an AD and you're going to all those competitions, whether you're trying to hire the next best coach, whatever. I, I want to kind of get away from that and go do things that are a little more creative. And I think cooking's creative and my woodwork's creative. And every now and then I can get away with a, a TV show that just takes me out of the having to think realm, you know, you know, Daryl said something very early on. He's he's shy, which really makes you wonder how he and I can get along so well because I am not. And I, I talk a lot. But, um, you get Daryl one on one, and he's invested in who you are, which is really cool to me. Um, he's invested in in my process, and Alaska is very similar to Arkansas, just not exactly <laughs> anything like it. <laughs> so okay. if you come out here, and hang out with me. I've got some ideas for you. A lot closer. I, I can maybe I can work that in. Yeah, we can make that happen. Um, well, well, you know, Dustin, one of the, one of one of the things about like say say you're shy. Like I'm I'm really I'm really fine alone, right? But I learned a long time ago, uh, and this was this this actually started in at the September coordinators meeting within IAAA. That I, I flew up there and there were two other guys from South Carolina and I'm going into the room and you know the round tables are all set up and everything. And and my two 
you know, compatriots are sitting back there and they're, and they're, they're waving at me like, hey, over here, over here. And I just kind of looked at it and I thought, I could go sit with them, but I see those guys all the time. I'm going to go sit at this table. I don't know those guys. And it's it's that put yourself out of your comfort zone, growth, go to the growth zone, right? And go sit with somebody you don't know. And I wound up sitting at a table with, you know, somebody I didn't know. And it, it wound up being uh, like uh, George's Gilbert and, and Mel E. Mai from, Florida, from uh, Hawaii, right? And maybe, oh, I want to say maybe somebody from Florida was there too. It's kind of like opposite ends of the country, obviously. Well, okay, so I get to know those guys. And because I get to know those guys, now I know somebody in a different state. I know somebody in a different section. I, I spent time getting to know them. Uh, a couple of years later, I get invited to come to Hawaii to go speak at their AD convention. I would say that was a really good decision I made that first yeah. opportunity uh, in Indianapolis. And so I, I, I tend to do that. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see my friends at those events, obviously. And I'm going to share some time with them and all that. But I, given an opportunity like to go into a new room, I'm going to go sit with somebody I don't know. And I, I force, it's, it's kind of not natural. Now, now, here's the thing. In the last 10, 15 years, it's become obviously much easier for me to do that. And then on top of it, because I've had some successes in the NIAAA and, and other places, some people know who I am. And sometimes maybe they don't want me to sit beside them. Like, what is this guy doing here? Right? <laughs> they're not waving you over. <laughs> they're not saying, hey, come sit with me. I, you know, they're like, what? You know, but, but that's okay because I still want to know their story. And I want to get to know them. And, and um, you know, we've all taken all those uh, uh, 360 surveys, leadership surveys and things like that. And I, I still take them time and time again. I, I'm still looking for ways that can open, I can open up my, my mindset, my leadership set, whatever. I'm still looking for that. And one of the most recent ones I took, um, my profile was uh, advocate. Uh, and it was one of these that had like a dozen different um, profiles. And mine was, my, my, mine was advocate. And it says in there that you've reached the point in your career where you are comfortable with who you are. And now you spend more time advocating for others and fighting for others. And it is the, it is one of the rarer um, uh, skill sets in this in this particular one, right? And as I read that, it really it was like, yeah, I'm, I've moved. I'm on the, you know, I'm on the. I got a lot of gray hair, you know. I, I've, I've got a lot of experience. I've been doing this for 36 years. Um, yeah, advocate is where I want to be. I want to advocate for others. I want to get other people the opportunities and 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 growth you know, sets that, that I've had the chance to experience. And that's really what I, what I want to do, you know. Even loud, that's, annoying ADs from Arkansas, you'll, you'll hey, advocate for them. Man, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> let's paint this picture, Daryl. You're out in Greenville, South Carolina, or in Greenville County. Um, for those that don't know the map very well, can you tell us where Greenville County is and 
kind of what you do on a daily basis. How many ADs report to you? You're the district AD for that that district. So uh, give us a, paint us a little picture of where Greenville County is. So Greenville is in what's called the upstate. Uh, we're in the northwest corner uh, of the state. We're right at the foothills of the Appalachians and Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, we have this wonderful temperate climate. We get all four seasons. Uh, it's perfect. We're right on I-85. We're kind of equidistant between Charlotte and uh, Atlanta. Um, we're, you know, I can be in, I can be in, uh, I can be in Charlotte in 90 minutes, be in Atlanta in two hours. I can be at the beach in three hours. You know, I can be in the mountains in 20 minutes if I really want to be, you know, uh, great lakes around us, great place. Unfortunately, everybody else has already heard about us and they're moving here too. Uh, our traffic's crazy. The housing market's crazy. Everybody's coming to Greenville, but that's okay. We, you know, um, my school district is, we are a countywide school district. Uh, we have 800 square miles of the county. We're about 20 miles wide and 40 miles long. All right. Um, which causes quite a dilemma when you have a snow day, when the snow's in the mountains in the north and there's nothing in the south and you tell everybody they can't come to school. They don't understand that. You know, um, you might deal with some of that in Arsenal. I don't know. It's uh, like it, that's like lightning at a stadium, like yes. lightning, but it's not raining, and no one wants to leave. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, we're the forty-sixth or forty-seventh largest school district in the nation. We've got about seventy-seven thousand students. Uh, I have fifteen high schools and twenty middle schools that that all play uh, sports. Um, I did the numbers just the other day between our middle school, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> middle school and high school. This year we had 646 teams, uh, had 1,170 coaches, and we had about 9,000 individual athletes that played about 11,500 exposures, right? And um, I have, I have, have had have it's kind of interesting i had a uh, uh, part-time assistant um one day a week technically my assistant is is, is designated for me but she has a full-time job where she's the director of pe uh, sex ed and health and she became a COVID administrator and this year she was a fill-in administrator at one of our middle schools for the last four months so I saw her yesterday for the first time in four months now that school's out. Um, mm. So it's it's a big job um, with a lot of moving parts. But I have great ADs that that, you know, make it uh, make it work. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, you being at the, the, the county level or district level, whatever you want to call it. Um, you may not have the personal interaction with every one of your student athletes that some of our ADs have, but you haven't always been in that county seat. Um, right. You've been a basketball coach. You've come up through the ranks as a basketball coach and spent time individually with those kids. So I know during that time that you've been doing this, you said 36 years. Um, so as, as you've done it through that time, I know you've got to have some great stories of some interactions some situations that make you just kind of go, did that really just happen? Um, if this is the world I'm operating in for real, as you, as you've looked back on some of that time, are there some stories that stick out to you that think, man, this was, this was really one that was just a humdinger that you think about and think, wow, this is, this really can't make this stuff up. 
Yeah, I, I mean, they're they're just things that happen, right? I mean, just just you just can't make some of this stuff up, right? I mean, every AD should write the book and and all that. But I was thinking about like the craziest thing that that probably happened. I was it was I was an AD. I was still coaching. I was a building AD and still coaching. And my lacrosse coach walks into my basketball practice where, you know, maybe a week before the playoffs are over and lacrosse is just starting. And my, my boys lacrosse coach walks in and just says, I quit and turn around and walked out. Okay, so you're trying to get your basketball team ready and prepared for, you know, probably your last game of the year, your rival game, your playoffs are on the horizon. And he just walks in and says, I quit. So, you know, you look at your assistant coaches and you're like, um, I, I, I got to go handle this. Mm-hmm. Couldn't handle it. He, w- he literally walked out, went to his car and left. Like, there's, there was no handling it. He's, he gone, right? <laughs> so the assistant coach is standing in the hallway. So I grab this guy and I'm like, okay, what's the deal? He goes, he said he's had it. He's done. So I guess I'll take over. I said, okay, great. You take over. We'll talk to, you know, just hang here for a few minutes into practice, talk to him. Next day he comes in, walks into practice, and he says, no, he didn't walk in. He sent a kid in. He sent a kid in. And the kid says, coach, quit. Well, <laughs> he had up a one. I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going in. I'm sending a kid in. I'm out. So oh, I, no. I, I go sprinting to the parking lot. I'm like, dude, what's up? And he goes, you know, that guy's my neighbor. If he quit and I stayed and coached, I wouldn't be supporting my neighbor. So I quit too. All right. Well, you got no lacrosse. I got a varsity and a JV and I got no coaches. And the backstory, of course, is the two booster club guys have been putting so much pressure on them that they just gave up. They just just gave up so i called the booster club guys and said have a parent meeting tomorrow night um yeah have a parent meeting tomorrow night uh in the classroom so i'm at practice again and my assistant principal walks in he goes whatever you do don't go out in the lobby there's a bunch of lacrosse parents out there they're looking for you they're mad i said oh i invited them to come it's okay So I said, go tell them all to go into classroom. And just I'll be there in a minute. So you know, some some timing timing is everything, right? I'm walking into that classroom and I pull the door open and they don't hear the door open, and somebody's like, "Well, I can't wait for him to get in here so I can ask this question." And I step on in and I slam the door. And they all jump and I said, "He's here. Why don't you ask him?" <laughs> I was, I was done. I was done with this group, right? So I walked to the front of the room and I said, what's the first question? And I said, why did our coaches quit? Why did they quit? And I, I, mean, I just turned and looked at the two booster club guys and I pointed to them. I said, y'all didn't tell them? <laughs> I mean, y'all didn't, you should tell them why they quit. And I'm telling you, them two dudes are like, <laughs> they're trying to get out of the chair. And I said, the, listen, the, the coach, he's tired of dealing with this. And he quit. Now, 
uh, standing beside me is one of my football coaches who had already worked it out that he was going to take over the program. And I just walked in. I said, guys, let me tell you something. We're not very good in lacrosse. We're still learning lacrosse. We're getting better. You know, we're getting better. But, you know, these two guys put so much pressure on him because they said, well, our kids score goals in the summer, in the summer league, but we haven't won any games in the regular season. And Dustin, you know, as an old basketball coach, and Danielle, I'm sure you know as a coach, there are a lot of kids that led the league in scoring in the summer. They can't run a set play and can't defend <laughs> in the season, right? I'm like, we're not talking about the summer, you know? And so we went through this, and I said, Coach Hallman is going to take over. And Coach Hallman is a professional coach. He's a high school coach. He's a pro. Coach Hallman, what time does practice start? He said, four. I said, what time does practice end? Six. I said, parents, kids, practice starts at four, ends at six. Have them there at four, pick them up at six. That's it. That's it. Okay? How much lacrosse do you know? Not much. He don't know any lacrosse. He knows how to coach. And so you're going to leave him alone. And he's going to coach. You're not going to call him. You're not going to complain. You're not going to fuss. You're not going to show up and act a fool at the referees. And this is it. This is the way it goes. Anybody got any questions? Thank you. And I walked out. (laughs) All right. I mean, I'm talking 10 minutes, but I'm exposed the problem. Right. And I go and finish my practice. Sitting in my office, a few minutes later, Coach Hallman comes walking down and just sticks his hand across the desk to shake my hand. I'm like, what? He goes, I've been coaching for 24 years. I've always wanted to say that to parents, but I've never been willing to do it. And you did it. All it was was the truth. You know, the parents have to understand the role that they play. And I get it. They should advocate for their kids, but they shouldn't make life miserable for everybody. And they made life miserable for a coach. And what they put was their season at risk for their kids. And so you set the parameter. You set the expectation. And you know what? Those kids had a blast. They didn't win any games. But practice started at four. It ended at six. They all went to the games. They all had a great opportunity to play. Right? That's probably the, you know, weirdest thing that may have ever happened to me. So let me ask this question. As, as you're sitting in basketball practice and you say you're getting ready for, I mean, you're focused on getting ready for the big rival game and the playoffs are coming. I mean, you still got a team you're addressing and it's mm-hmm. not just because you're the AD, you're, you're the basketball coach right. and you're responsible for those kids. So when they come in, I want to take you back to that moment when he just walks in and says, I quit and turns out. <laughs> At what point do you look at your coach and say, hey, you got this while well, I go take yeah, care of this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how exactly. many times did that happen as an AD slash basketball coach where you had to say, I'm going to go take care of something that is oh, this man. hat I got to wear? You know, probably too many times. Yeah. I'd say, you know, maybe once every other week, you know, it would happen that somebody just comes to the door and they look in, they see, you know, like, I need you, or you know, I never locked the door, you know. I, I had to open practices. Parents want to come watch practice. They're fine. That's their kid. They ought to be able to come and watch their practice, you know. But they'd come in and say, Coach, I need you. And I'm like, let me finish this drill. All right. Y'all can get water, shoot free throws or whatever. Or I just turn it over to my assistants, which is really important to have good assistant coaches that you trust who can do that. And you go handle the business because ultimately, as the AD, you're responsible for the whole program. 
And, you know, your team, you're still responsible for them, but you have, if, if you've got assistance that can handle it, you can, you know, you can do that. So. So when did you have a conversation with, did you say his name was Coach Holman? Mm-hmm. When, when did you have a conversation with him between the quitting of both coaches and this meeting with the parents? When did that conversation? <laughs> I don't want to know when. I want to know what you said that got the football coach to go coach lacrosse when he didn't okay. know it. That is what I want to know. Yeah. Well, the the day before, I guess the, the 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 day the the day after the first coach quit, he came in and was telling me some some of the kids. He knew about it. The kids were talking about it. He goes. Coach, I, I don't know anything about it, but one of them said something to me about doing it, you know. And I said, well, you know, Coach, would you be interested in doing it? He goes, I know nothing about lacrosse, <laughs> but the, I know what kids need. And so, I mean, he really came to my office to initiate the, the you know, that discussion. So when the second guy quit, uh, that morning I had a conversation with him. We, we met first thing in the morning. I said, this is what my plan would be. Can you handle it? And he said, sure. So, I mean, but, you know, again, part of that is the relationships you have in your staff and they're willing, you know, they know that you go out of the way for them. They'll go out of the way for you at times and stuff like that. But, but the guy had the guy, like I said, the guy was a professional coach, right? He, you, he understood what kids needed. Did you have any other parent complaints that entire season or did they kind of just like be quiet for the remainder of the season? No, they, I, I set that tone really quickly at that meeting. There <laughs> 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 were no more complaints. <laughs> so what I'm seeing is, I didn't say this earlier, but Mark Rarick is also a National Academy member with us for 719. And on his episode, he told his parents after about 30 minutes, he told one of them that they need to get, because the parents said, what do I need to do to get my kid a college scholarship? And he said, you need to get more athletic parents. Or he needs to have more athletic parents. So in a way, you kind of said, I'm pointing out the problem. And here's the problem in that right. ca- that parent meeting. Right. It's, it's, it's just, you know, quality lacrosse, Dustin. It's what yeah. it is. <laughs> it's quality well, you know, lacrosse. I, Dustin, I, I've had this situation. And Danielle, when I, I, we, we were struggling in football one year, right? We were really struggling. We had a couple of good players. We had a couple of very mouthy parents, very influential parents. They're, they're good. They're good parents. Love them. But they got mouthy in the, in the game because we were losing, right? So I made the decision to sit, to, to, to move down and sit with them, like in the middle of them on a road game. Um, and and we, ran, we ran a wing tee, okay? And we're playing a team that's, throwing, that's running the spread kind of an option spread, which was really a unique thing. They, they could, uh, I thought it was pretty good offense, right? But I, we'd had rain one day, and, and I watched our practice indoors, and I watched them work. They had this deal where they ran trips to the, to the left and a single to the right, and the trips just fly down the field, right? One's going straight down the field, one's running like a post, and one's running a, a long slant, and the single's coming underneath. Well, those three trips just clear the zone. I mean, it clear the field. And the single guy comes underneath, and they just dump it, and he's gone for 20, 30 yards every time. I watched our coaches drill and drill and drill that to our our defense. Well, of course, we go to the game, and the first time they throw it, the guy's gone 30 yards. And, my, you know, my defensive coach is, you know, 
parents are fussing and all this stuff. So I go sit down in front. Well, I know, you know, I coach football too. I know a little football. And so I'm sitting there with them and we've got the ball and, you know, we're running up the, 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 um, the wing and, you know, in the wing, you, you follow the guard, right? You follow the guard. If the guard kicks out, you turn it up. If the guard seals, you take it outside. Pretty so that's oversimplification, but the ball, we get the ball and the guy's running to the, to the right. And I see the, I see the guard hit the guy. And I'm like, turn it up, turn it up. He runs outside and gets strung out all the way out of bounds. Next play, we run it to the, to the left or whatever, you know, and the guy gets the seal. And I'm like, outside, outside, he turns it up inside, gets clobbered. Punt, you know, they get the ball and they run the trips thing. And I'm like, cover the under, cover the under. I'm saying this before the snap because I know what's coming. I'm trying to tell them, cover the under, cover the under. They throw it. We don't cover the under. There he goes. We get the ball back and it's like outside, outside. We cut it up inside. Then we run this little handoff, reverse handoff, right? And I mean, Dustin, there isn't anybody on the left-hand side of the field from the crown to the sideline. All we got to do is go outside. And as soon as the ball is handed off, one of my parents goes, inside, inside. And I'm like, outside. Of course, the guy gets tripped up because he cuts it too close, gets tripped up by one finger, punt. They get the ball. Come back down and it's third down or whatever. And the guy says, Coach, what would you run? I said, I'd run the trips under. I mean, I'd throw it again because we ain't covered it. No matter how much Coach worked on it, and I saw him work on it for 30 minutes, our kids aren't listening. They're not doing what they've been coached to do. Well, sure enough, they run it. Kid drops the ball. He could have scored. He drops it. Now it's fourth and whatever, you know, three or four. And he said, Coach, what would you do now? I said, I'd run the option pitch. I'd line up this way and run the option right. And I said, All, if once a guy pitches it, we can't cover it. Sure enough, they run the option, but the quarterback keeps it and we stop it. Right? And my guys, are they're all listening. Why don't you be the head football coach? I said, not with parents like this. I'm not going to be the head football coach. Y'all don't know the game. And they're like, what? I said, if you'll watch our running backs, you should be able to figure out when they should go inside, when they should go outside. And I'm telling you, our coaches coach this. They coach this at practice the other day. And we're not, they're not, we either can't handle it or they're not paying attention to the coaches. But it's not the coach's DNA that's out there. It's your DNA that's out there. And that's kind of the Mark Rarick thing. You need a better, more athletic parent. I'm yelling at the coach. It's not his DNA. You know? And and that pretty much ended it. And and that's really my whole thing with parents. If When I interview coaches now, one of the questions I ask them is, talk about your relationship with parents. Or if I use this phrase, do you engage parents? Or do you deal with parents? Right? And if they tell me I deal with parents, I'm like, that's well, not the right answer. Because you need to engage parents. And you need to, if you have the right personality, some, you know, it, it takes a, a velvet glove sometimes. But you got to, but if you set the expectation and if you share with them what your objectives are and what maybe a little bit of the, I think they have a much greater understanding of it. They can be a little more, uh, you know, a little more um, 
favorable response sometimes. So was your plan ever for Daryl Nance to be the lacrosse coach or was it always to find somebody <laughs> else? <laughs> it was, it, it, it was, yeah, it would have been somebody else. But, <laughs> I mean, if, if, if I could have finished basketball season and not, they still didn't have anybody, I probably would have stepped in as the, I think that we didn't have lacrosse around here when I was growing up. I think it's a phenomenal sport. I love it. I think it's great. Um, but I wouldn't, I'd be setting screens and running back picks and stuff like that. And I don't think you could do that in high school. So. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to solidify that before you teach that. Make sure that I'm you not sure you can run the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about, we've had a couple of guests on here that talk about lacrosse and that's a foreign subject to me because Arkansas doesn't have it. Now, right. Oklahoma's starting to play it a lot more. Right. Uh, so that's probably going to filter over to us at some sure. point. But my my knowledge of lacrosse would be about the knowledge of well I wouldn't have any um, <laughs> it would be it'd be a train wreck if I was out there but I think what you did is you identified now if I take a takeaway from that you identified a coach who could coach maybe not coach lacrosse but identify somebody who could coach kids and I think at the end of the day sometimes that's what we've got to do we're dealt a hand and we just got to find somebody that's a best fit for the coach it may not be. Right the best sports fit, but it's the best fit for kids. Right. Well, there was no discipline issue with the team either. You know, sometimes when you've got a team that's not very good and and they can kind of get a little rowdy, and especially in a game like lacrosse, I mean, you know, you, you hit somebody with that stick in the inside the fence, it's, it's a penalty. You hit somebody outside, it's a felony. I mean, it's, you know, you, you have to understand what you're doing. I so, played lacrosse. I need you guys to know that I played lacrosse. Yes, so all right. of these so, things you're saying are just, they hurt. So, you know, right, <laughs> the guy's game can get a little physical. And when the talent level's not good, it gets more physical. And it becomes oh, absolutely. A, a dangerous mm-hmm. physical in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when you have a guy who, even though he may not have known the sport, he knew how to coach. And so, you know, he learned a few fundamentals and, but the, the, there was zero discipline because they knew they were going to be held to a standard of behavior. Well, and that's a really important um, point to, to really touch on, regardless of whether um, you know you're, you're filling in a role like this. But but also knowing how to coach is so important because I have can't tell you how many people. Oh, well, they're they're semi pro ball player. Or they've done this, but they they can't coach the sport. They may be very good at the sport. They may be a phenomenal athlete, but I have seen that sometimes it doesn't necessarily cross over in learning how to how to coach. Um, that's not seamless. So understanding that knowing how to coach high school kids is very different than knowing the sport. Very different. Very much. Very much. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, like, to me, if you if you're coaching the sport and and, and Danielle, I'm sure you can do this. You you can close your eyes and visualize that lacrosse field. Mm-hmm. And you can see where the lines are. You can see where everything is. And you can see the players moving in your mind, right? I can close my eyes. I can watch all 10 guys on the basketball court move. You know, football mm-hmm. coach should be able to see all his X's and O's moving, all his – okay. Well, that's, that's – a you have that vision of which – that's great. Players should be able to do that. Coaches can take that vision and and share it in a manner that everybody can understand it. 
and and then and replicate it to some degree, right? Sometimes those that, that play at such a high level, it's so easy for them. They never learn how to verbalize that and give that instruction mm-hmm. to make it so that everybody can can do that. Well, especially if they're gifted, right? And they didn't mm-hmm. have to try very hard. They don't understand why somebody else may have to. Right. And it's something they got to be careful of because I find, you know, you're talking about boosters and parents really want this person or um, this is, you know, a great fit or look, look at the things that they accomplished in that sport. Great. But where did they teach somebody else how to do it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I think that's a really, really important question that I personally really believed in as an AD, but that's hard to get specifically parents to overlook that sometimes. Right. right. One, one of the things that I, I will tell some of our younger folks and, and particularly like football coaches, um, if I go watch a football practice and I hear this, the same voice multiple times and the volume keeps going up and up and up, um, and it's the same drill, but the volume keeps going up and up and up, then and, and what I'll what I tell the coach sometimes, the head coach sometimes, is this, uh, the, the higher the volume, the less the knowledge. Mm. So this guy is trying to teach this kid this skill, and he uses the same word same words to teach that skill and the kid's not getting it. So, but with my limit of knowledge, I'll just raise my volume of voice. And because I'm yelling at him, he'll get it this time. If he didn't get it the first two or three times, it's you that's the problem, not him. Your your explanation or demo is not good, right? That's one of like the number one things I've talked to my coaches about is what you're talking about. I said the definition of insanity is when you are doing the same thing over and over again, but accepting, expecting different results. Right, right. If it's not working, you have to do something different to get a different result. Otherwise, this, this makes no sense why we're doing this. So that's exactly what you're what you're talking about. And yeah. and being able to acknowledge, even as kids go through, right? The way that you coach 10 or 20 years ago is gonna be different than the way we coach kids now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So so growing with the times and knowing this used to work doesn't work anymore. I got to adapt. Those are the coaches that, man, you want to retain them when they, when they know, I know I've been doing this for 30 years and I got to, I got to relearn some stuff. I got to go to some clinics. I got to reevaluate my program. Those are the ones that you want to retain and, and, and keep. So it sounds like you have that, you had that on staff, which is an amazing thing that you want to go out of your way to retain. There's also That's this it. thing too, Daniel, you got certain people you don't want demonstrating a skill. <laughs> right. I mean, like they may be a great coach. They may understand the strategy. They may understand time, ball, field position, court position, whatever. But maybe you don't want them to teach a certain skill. Like I had a really good assistant basketball coach. He was a dynamic JV coach for me, became a, a really good varsity assistant, great friend and all that stuff. And I, I, I watched him shoot one time. I watched him pick up a ball. Dustin is a basketball guy, you know, right? Picks up the ball, but it's this, and it's Ugh. this. I mean, it's one of these things. And I'm like, you will never teach shooting. Never teach shooting. I don't want any form shooting from you. If you ever take a ball and shoot it at the rim, I will probably escort you out of the building. If you're going to do something, you do it against the wall because he couldn't shoot lit. Understood the game, couldn't shoot. You know, you know I think about um, some of those, you know, going back to your basketball days, I wanted to find the making coach, 
not the shooting coach. I needed to mm. find the making coach. Those guys right. that could really, there were a bunch of shooters. Everybody's I needed to shooting. find the ones that could make it. And I needed a coach who could teach them how to make the shot, not just make it. Right. <laughs> Free throw defense is really good too, right? Right. Find the guy that can't make one. That's free right. throw defense. So, I think back to your original statement about not being, um, you're, you're more shy, more introverted. At, at times, but as you deal with our role as an AD, you had to deal with some parents, and you talked about the question of do you engage parents or deal with parents, mm-hmm. and you had a situation here where you could have just dealt with parents, but you had to engage parents, so it may not have been the way that you had in your mind going into that meeting, hey, we want to have this meeting, I know I got to deal with this issue, but when you got in there and you heard the comments, they didn't know you snuck in. Um, you had your uh, ninja AD, <laughs> whatever, whatever <laughs> into the room unannounced, and you were able to hear. But what I what I really like about that is that you addressed the issue. You didn't let it linger. You just went up there and said, "Okay, here's the problem," and we're going to point it out when they ask that question. Well, first you said he's here. Let's ask. So you walk up there and you 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 put yourself out there. You expose yourself to say. I'm going to deal with this situation. Yeah. But then when the questions come, you didn't run away and say, hey, I quit. I'm walking out of this. Right. We're going to deal with this situation. So there's times when you have to engage and deal with. Um, one of the questions I like to ask my coaching candidates is, one of the best things about Greenwood is our parent and coach involvement. One mm-hmm. of the worst things about Greenwood is our parent and, is coach, our parent and coach involvement. <laughs> How do you deal with that? How do yeah. you handle that situation? And can you? Because that's a reality. You mm-hmm. want parents who are engaged. You want them to be involved in their kids' lives because studies have shown that there's more success rate for kids. You know, you want them to have somebody that's there and involved in kids' lives. Right. Is that always going to happen? No, you're not always going to have parents that are involved. And it's always the squeaky wheel that gets the grease, right? So somebody's going to complain and say whatever they want to say. But I think for ADs listening to this, there's a great takeaway in tackling this head on and having and saying, okay, there is an issue. Yes. We had two coaches quit, but it may not be what you think it is. And here's the solution we're going to find. And we're going to address that need. So you had to address the elephant in the room, which I think sometimes we as ADs may not do that. Um, And you're a more seasoned AD. You've done this for for a lengthy amount of time. And some of our younger ADs listening, that confrontation is not comfortable for everybody. And I would even say it may not even be comfortable for you that's done it for 36 years that have dealt with parents for this time. I I had a boss tell me one time, if it ever becomes robotic, then I need to get out of this profession because you're dealing with people. And so it's never just, hey, I'm going to put on this jacket and it's going to be really comfortable because walking up there probably wasn't really comfortable. Pointing those two guys out wasn't probably comfortable, but it needed to be done. And so from our seat, We've got to do some things that sometimes aren't comfortable, but that's, I think, where growth opportunities happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it starts with what are your core values? Like where Do you know your, your leadership statement? What's your mission statement? What's, what's your, what type of leader are you? And Dustin, it, it froths me the number of times that I interview. I interview here for, I get to interview principals, assistant superintendents, things like that. And I'll interview head coaches and all these people that claim to be leaders. They want to be leaders. And I ask them, 
what's your, you know, what's your default leadership style or what 360 survey have you taken? Or have you taken Gallup or Flippin or Myers-Briggs or what? And they're like, yeah, I really haven't done that. And you want to be a leader of an organization and you don't know your own leadership style, right? That's our whole thing in 719. What, what, what default do you go to? What's your leadership style? What's your communication style? Because that impacts how you do everybody else, you know, how you respond to everybody else. And I, I, I reference this. I'm going to hold it up. You can't see it. You know, nobody can understand that. But that's the list of my high school ADs. My middle school ADs are right here, right? And it's got their contact information, direct conversation. But it also has their strengths, the strengths that, it, that we do, the strengths testing we do. And I have their primary, five primary Gallup strengths and their primary communication style. So when I have to call one of my ADs, and sometimes you just call to have a conversation, just you need to talk. But sometimes when it's, yeah, I got to deal with this situation right here, or I've got to engage this guy in this situation here or whatever, I look up there or I look over here and I go, okay, so Dustin is a yellow or Dustin is this or this or this, or Danielle is responsibility achiever. So when I talk to Danielle and she's a blue, and I'm in a very red moment because it's happening. It's it's coming to me, and I got to. Then before I dial that number, I need to look at how is Danielle going to experience me in this moment. How's Dustin going to handle this? When I what's Dustin's default going to be? What's my default? Right, and then it helps me make that conversation go a little smoother. Because if I pick up the phone and Danielle's blue and I don't ask Danielle how her day is and I just say, Danielle, did you know? Danielle's already on on playing defense, right? And if Dustin's yellow and I don't ask Dustin about his day and whatever, you know, or Dustin may be green in our little system and that is very A to B to C to D, I need to ask A to B to C to D type questions, right? And so to me, that's kind of where you get that that connection uh, to start handling some of these situations. But if you know your style and you know what your core values are and you set your expectations, a young AD has got to come in and set their expectations right away. A young head coach has got to do that. This is, this is where, this is my expectation. This is what I'm going to do and share that. It can't be a secret. You need to share that. The parents need to know your staff needs to know. Um, then they know where the line is, right? When I took this job seven years ago, I, I um, uh, had a six week kind of six weeks with the guy who was leaving. It was me and him for six weeks. We were uh, together working together. I was trying to show me the, the thing. There was something on the desk that had to be done that needed a principal signature, right? Well, I left to go um, to vacation I guess he left to go on vacation I came back that piece of paper had moved from one desk to the other from his desk to mine and sitting on top of it was a post-it note that said handle like he handled it handled well I called a different principal and called the parent and said this has been handled this this kid has been moved from school A to school B and is eligible Hung up the phone. Shortly after that, the principal from school A calls me and she goes, how did that get signed and handled without me knowing anything about it? 
his handwriting said handled with a D. It's it basically was handle with a question mark is kind of what he was sending me. <laughs> so I thought it had already been handled and approved, or maybe it said approved with a anyway. I already gave permission for this without talking to this principal. And so that principal calls and gives and she's 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 lighting me up. And I had a decision to make. I could walk it back or I could just say, I've already made a decision and the decision is this way. It won't happen again. It was a conflict between him leaving and me arriving. That's the way it's going to be. And I just decided, you know what, in the best interest of the kid, I'm going with where I've already done. I'm not going to backtrack it. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm putting my, my post in the ground right here. And that principal was not happy but understood and respected the decision. And we had a great relationship for the next couple of years until she retired. Um, but it was like a reminder for me on the first day in this job, really, of my first single day. You're going to get asked some tough questions and you, you got to know what you believe in. You got to double check if it's a D or a question mark. That's Fast. right. <laughs> I've learned that now. <laughs> Now let me let me ask you this, and this is the I need to ask this because I was floored. We mentioned Mark Rarick in his episode, but Jim Harris was on here, and he said he had a drunk chain crew at one of his football games. Have you ever had a drunk chain crew at any of your football games? Dustin's favorite. No, but I have had a football game ready for kickoff, and my chain crew not be there because they were stuck in traffic, hmm. and. Four guys from the opposing school, their chain crew was there, and they came down and ran the chain crew for my home game until my chain crew got there about four minutes into the first quarter. Yeah, so we really don't know if they were drunk or not. That's really what I that's, we don't the opposing two. We don't know. So we're gonna leave that's this true. one in the air. That's true. <laughs> yeah, just you know the so if you don't mind, I'm going to say this, the, the, the hard part of our job, right? There's, there's a lot of easy to our job. There's a lot of fun to our job. The hard part to our job is like, as is, is, is an example, like what you just referenced. We can be as proactive as possible. In fact, we're encouraged to be proactive, right? Get everything in, get all the schedule done, have everything ready, order all the equipment, get the officials, get the truck transportation, put the schedule in, you name it, proactive, proactive, proactive. The problem with our job is the success rate is based on our reactive abilities, right? Because pretty much everything that happens is is a reaction. The bus didn't show. That's your fault. The official didn't show or was late. That's your fault. The equipment which was ordered is still sitting on a ship somewhere in LA. That's your fault. That's chaining, you know, that, you know, COVID, your fault. It doesn't matter, <laughs> right? It's the reactive part to it. And the problem is that it all happens in the public eye, right? The, the, the kid gets thrown out. Now I got to deal with the high school league. You know, coach said something inappropriate. Now I got to deal with HR. Um, somebody put something on social media. It's wildly inaccurate, but I got there's a reaction, reaction, mm-hmm. reaction, right? And I just recently did a couple of interviews with, and I had a couple of parents fussing about, well, the field didn't get lined correctly or somebody didn't line the field. And I'm like, how was that the athletic director's job? 
It's not the athletic director's job to go line the football field or the soccer field. That's the football coach or the soccer coach or the company you deal with or your district may do it or whatever. Well, they should be able to do it in an emergency. And that's okay. That's critical. Yes, they should be able to do it in an emergency. But uh, the AD's job really is to try to avoid those emergencies, mm-hmm. right? By being the reactive, proactive, proactive, proactive. But when you have to be reactive, yes, they, they may have to do it. But also the AD's job is to look out there on the field and go, hmm, the field hadn't been aligned. We've got a game in two days. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. Coach, what are you doing? What's your plan? Because don't, don't necessarily count on me to be out there doing that because I have this and this and this and this. Right. And sometimes parents, again, they don't, nobody understands our job. The only people who understand our job are the people who are doing our job. Right. And so the, to me, that's the, that's been the most, um, I think beneficial way to describe the, the AD job recently is you can be as proactive as possible, but the success ratio is really the reactive ability and how you manage that. You had no plan because we all have plans, but you had no plan for a lacrosse coach and his assistant coming in quitting in consecutive days. You don't have that plan built in. No plan. No and plan. To, to, to reiterate your reactive part, if a toilet backs up, they're trying to find the AD, and that's mm-hmm. the AD's fault. Mm-hmm. If, if the game goes on and there's no issue, nobody's calling to say, AD, great job. And it goes back to our conversation prior. Nobody's right. coming to an AD camp. If we get right. out here and say, here's what we're doing, people aren't signing up for that. But they like to cast the blame on the AD no matter what. And it may be something completely out of our control. Right. Yeah. And this is such a good, you know, overall conversation to have about everything. That for Especially for new ADs coming in to hear this. So you don't feel, you know, we always talk about how you're, we're not alone. But you feel alone on your campus because it's usually just you. So this is just such a good important conversation for ADs to hear that it doesn't it doesn't make a difference how many plans you have or if you order everything correctly and if you have everything in place there's going to be issues it's not you it's just it's just the the nature of our field and right. that's why we're here right to talk about it and right. you're not alone and some days just suck yeah but yeah the and and what's happened what i felt like has happened to us especially this spring Okay, for for my guys in my area, and and it may equate to, to where you are too. So two years ago we didn't have spring sports. We got because everybody got shut down in March, right? And then last year we had spring sports, but we had it with limited attendance, and we cut we cut teams down smaller because we wanted to have less exposure, and we played less games and all that stuff, right? And then this year it's like none of that ever happened. We're wide open, right? More games, more kids more uh, competitive, whatever, right? But also that microwave mentality that's going on doesn't want it just now, but they want the last two years made up now too. They want all those opportunities this spring, which puts so much pressure on our spring coaches um, and so much pressure on our, our on, on my ADs. Um, I mean, there, there, was some, there was some struggles, right? Um, and like I spent, I don't know, like at my AD meetings, maybe the first 30 minutes is me trying to give them stuff they got to have, 
dates, deadlines, details, things that have to be done, you know, the standards of unavoidables you got to do. And then we try to do a leadership moment. And then it's like, okay, your turn. Dump it on me. Because that becomes that that that's my turn. Like what what do you need from me? What can I help you with? Give it to me. And then it gives me all my action items for how I can support them more or you know, whatever I can do. And you know, when you when you finish that and and not this most recent meeting, but the meeting before, they probably talked for an hour about things they needed, things they felt, things that were I mean, there were, there were some there were some dark, some dark moments in there, you know, and I'm writing everything down and I come back to my office and uh, they all go to lunch. And sometimes, you know, they don't they don't invite you to lunch anymore. You know, <laughs> they need to go to lunch. You know? um, but I didn't need to go to lunch. I needed to come back and sit here and just kind of process. Like, man, they're they're there's some they're struggling. There's some hurt. And and so then you figure out, okay, how do I how do I respond? How do I pour more into this person who needs this? And how do I give more to this person who needs that? And this guy over here, all he needs is a facility issue. This one needs a personnel issue. This one is a personal issue, right? Um I like that you pointed and, to Dustin when you said that part. Though. <laughs> <laughs> this is a personal issue. But I mean, there, you know, it's and it's what you do in your building with with your coach. They're they're experiencing the same things. Um, fortunately, you know, in our job, uh, at least in my job, uh, you know, I have cohort members I can call. I have NIAAA friends. I, I have, you know, basketball camp friends that I can call all over the country, uh, which is one of the great parts of our organization. If you know somebody somewhere, and we'll tell everybody, go to the national conference, sit down and listen to what's going on. If they got the same problem, you got big school, small school, rural school, city school. You know, it doesn't matter what the, what the makeup is. Everybody's got the problem. What you'll find is maybe some unique solutions. You know, another way they're handling it. And and that's what happened. You come in here, you sit back down, you go through the processes, you think through how can I support this this AD, this AD, and then you make then you make your your game plan, and, and you attack all those plans as like you would any other victory. You got to find your victories wherever you can. And in our world, it may not just be scoreboards. We got to have our right. victory, however we can get a victory. Sometimes you yeah. just need the W. That's right. That's right. And it yeah. could be just. What was what's fascinating to me is 2020 everything shut down and and we there was a short time and it was way shorter than I thought it should be when parents just wanted to play we just want our kids to play and that's what I kept hearing over and over and over again well right. we provide those opportunities within the restrictions that we were given and that wasn't good enough all of a sudden we need to play back to normal and we want it to be like it's supposed to be and we we deserve to do this. And I had parents come to me and say, it was at a football game, and they said, we want our boys to run through the senior moms. And I said, they said, we can't play. The boys can't play without us doing that, without them running through our senior moms. I said, I can promise you we're going to play. Whether you're standing there or not, we're going to play a game. <laughs> and that, So now 
we had restrictions. People couldn't get on the field, and they couldn't understand that. Well, it's the last game, whatever. And I said, I promise you, we're still going to play football, whether you're standing out there and your kid's running through you or not. That's not going to change what we do in between the lines. Right. So it just. Oh, look at that face we got. I know, look at that. (laughs) We're actually, Dustin froze and he's got quite the face on his video (laughs) right now. Well, that's an easy way to just do, you know, have Dustin stop talking. Well, yeah, but, but, you know, he's a hundred percent right. All, mm-hmm. every, yep. all his parents look for those traditional things and, and you may. Have and sometimes been it's more for the parents too. Correct. Correct. Than it necessarily is for, for the son right. or the daughter. And so what I, I'm sure what he did, we'll finish this statement for him is they <laughs> may not have been able to do it on the field, but you look for an alternative solution. Mm-hmm. That, that, because you may have been prevented from doing that by your state board of ed or your state legislature or whatever, so you find another way to meet those needs and 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 satisfy, um, you know, parents when you can. And I mean, uh, I, I'm the biggest proponent of all. I think of get the parents, engage the parents, mm-hmm. engage parents, hold them accountable. Well, knowledge is power. I always, you know, believed in. De- and trying to teach them the policy. This is what the policy is. Maybe I don't agree with it, but this is why we're doing what we're doing. And maybe some explanation behind it. So sometimes that works. Sometimes it does. sometimes they don't care. Right, <laughs> but, right. but either way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. My, my, the, the, he, you know, he referenced earlier the, the parents' practice I used to do with basketball, where I would sit in the stands with my parents. During a practice, my two assistants are running to practice, and I'm explaining all. You are, all you are brave. You're well, very brave. I mean, <laughs> they were they were really good coaches, and and we were great friends. And, um, but I sit with the parents and I explain all the drills. Reason we're doing this. Reason we're doing this. Here's the why for this. And then we would do all these full court drills, and I said, "Now you notice your kids have been running for about 20 minutes, and then we're going to do our daily dozen, which is our breakdown of." of different uh, fundamental mm-hmm. skills and then we're going to do some scrimmage and then we're going to do some shooting and whatever. So now remember when your kid gets home and you tell him to take out the trash, he's going to say he's tired. He is tired. Still make him take out the trash, mm-hmm. but, but give him, a, give him a few minutes to rest, change clothes, whatever, you know, but still hold him accountable to take out the trash. And then I explain a, a play. And to me, this was the key for, for my success. I would explain a play, and I'd say, now, if the ball goes this way, this has to happen, da-da-da-da-da. If the ball goes this way, this has to happen, da-da-da-da. And everybody understand that play, and they're kind of looking at you like, what? And I'm like, this is, this is the play. If it goes to the high side, we do this. If it goes to the low side, we do this. And your kids got to know it just like that. Everybody got it? And they're like, yeah. I said, now, we have 15 set plays for man-to-man. I have 12 set plays for zone. I have 10 underneath out-of-bounds plays. I have a six-option transition game. I have a six-option um, uh, press breaker. We have three side out-of-bounds and three late-game situations. And your kid has got to know all of them just like that. I got to trust him. This has got to trust him. Teammates got to trust him to do it. If he can do it, you'll see him out there on the court. If he can't, he'll most likely be over here with us until he gets and earns that trust. Mom, Dad, you good with that? That's on your son. We're coaching them all. Right? And they're like, yeah, okay. Then we go scrimmage. And so I would, I would, 
be scrimmaging they can and see. I'd call a foul. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can so see I'd, it for themselves if the right. kids are doing it or not. So in the scrimmage, I'd call a foul, right? And and I would say, okay, um, foul, Zach, you're you're uh, you're going to shoot a free throw, but Zach, you got oh Zach, you got blood on your jersey, you're out. Zach's mom, I need you to come out here and shoot this free throw for me. In a dead ball situation. And the mom's like, I'm not coming out there. Mom, come on out here. You know, or something, it'd be the dad, you know, whoever. I'd make them shoot the free throw in front of everybody. Well, they're nervous as I'll get out. At halftime, you know, halftime, it's a really bad mess, right? Dead ball, okay, out of bounds. Okay, Danielle, you're going to take the ball out of bounds. Oh, Danielle, you got blood on your jersey. You're out. Uh, Mr. LaPointe, you come in here and inbound this ball. And I turn around to the kid guarding the ball. I'm like, don't you better let him get this ball inbounds. I mean, you'd be jumping up and down, yelling and screaming and all this stuff. We're in, we're in a full face deny. And so Mr. LaPointe's got to now get the ball inbounds. Well, they don't, they throw it away. They can't get the ball inbounds. And I've set up several dead ball situations where the parent couldn't get hurt, right? Because you worry about liability as an athletic director too, right? So you don't want to. <laughs> then I'd excuse the players and I'd talk to the parents and I'd say, how'd that feel? And they're like, man, that was intense. That was, that was hard. That, you, you, that was embarrassing. Like, that's just practice. Mm-hmm. Your kid gets to feel that in the game, in the heat of the moment. With lots of people watching. Don't, don't, don't yell at your kid. Mm-hmm. Sit behind the stand. Sit right behind my bench. Cheer for all the kids. You'll hear me. I'm never going to say anything rude to your son. I'm never going to you know, berate your son. Now, if you mess it up, probably going to be held accountable. But, you know... When your kid goes in, cheer for him. When your kid comes out, cheer for him. When his kid goes in, cheer for him. Love on him. Here's what your job is as a parent. Love your kid. I'm going to coach him. Well, and I think that's a really powerful connection you make with the parents there. And it, and it helps things down the road yeah. 100% yeah. if they're concerned about anything or playing time or even comfort of just being able to come and talk to you. So not mm-hmm. necessarily not talking to you, but just talking to you in a humane way, I guess. Yeah, and, you. <laughs> you know, my my wife or my dad kept the scorebook for us, and whichever one was keeping the book, the other one was sitting right behind the bench. My daughter were right, was behind the bench. My my parents and my boys always saw my family involved, and they saw me hug my wife or hug my daughter or hug my hug my dad when the game was over. And my dad was always talking to the parents, and my wife was hugging the kids. You know, they saw there was an investment that way mm-hmm. right with our team and the parents knew yeah he, he wants to win yeah he can he can be loud at times yeah he, but he really does involve his family and they really do care about our kids and then I tried to do the same thing with my staff um, you know take them to dinner take them to lunch uh, you know find out who who their kids names are find out what their invested in um you know and 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 share share i'm amazed at the number of coaches who think everything's a secret it's it's not a secret share you want my playbook i'll share my playbook with you i don't care you know i may if it's going to help somebody make them better advocate for others make people better um that's that's just been my whole thing for as long as I can remember is is I, I, I had great coaches, 
Um, I had great. Well, I had some. I had some bad coaches. They can make an impact too, right? Um, yeah, I had a coach. I had a coach that was as transactional as transactional could be, um, and I did not enjoy playing for that coach. And we had a miserable season when I was a senior in high school. And if you fast forward it about thirteen years down the road, I'm an AD. Uh, at my second high school, I was an AD at, and my head football coach wants to hire this new assistant coach. And it was my former coach, transactional coach for my senior year. Oh, no. No, he can't. No, (laughs) no, he's not going to coach here. And he goes, he's a good football coach. I'm like, no, no, he's not. (laughs) He's a transactional coach who's in it for himself. And that's not going to happen to my staff. Yeah. 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 Well, and you remember as a player, and you don't want your kids, your athletes, to to, to feel that way. So, I do have a an update from Dustin. He <laughs> said the storms. He texted me. The storms hit there. The power went out, and he cannot get back on. So we have lost Dustin forever. <laughs> yeah, he's Bye, Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says I was onto a really great thought. So, you know, that's debatable because we'll never know now. <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel like that, that my episode has been such a d- disaster that he just quit on you. So. He, just, he just left us. <laughs> he, that's what he did. That's what he did. Instead of he up your coaches, right? Instead of saying I, I quit or sending in a kid and saying I quit, he just signed off in the mid-sentence. We're going to call him our lacrosse coach from now on. That's what we're going yes, to call him. He is. He's our lacrosse coach, and <laughs> <laughs> you brought this to us. This is your fault, Carol. <laughs> oh, <I'm so> <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for being a guest with us today. I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing all of your experiences and, and your, you know, laughing with us. So oh, thank you sure. to Daryl and also to Ticket Spigot, who is our sponsor. But um, hopefully, Dustin and his storms are okay. That's right. Let's let's make sure everybody in Greenwood's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. we will. We'll update Danielle, them, thank so. you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And uh, I mean, I, I had a blast. You guys are doing a great job. I, I felt bad about following Jean. You know, Jean's. Uh, I think she was one of the last episodes I saw, and Jean's mm-hmm. so great. And, um, you know, I, I could. It could only go downhill with me. That, no, so. we had to give it back over to the East Coast to represent, right? There so. you go. There you go. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thank you.